With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. They're the in crowd. We're the other ones. It's a different kind of cloth that we're cut from. We let our colors show. Where the numbers ain't, where the paint, where there ain't supposed to be paint. That's who we are. This is the Mike Keller Show. That's how we roll. Call the show at 877-729-1070. Send a tweet at Mike Keller Show. Now, here's Mike Keller. I will get Welcome in on a Monday afternoon. If you're anything like me, you have had uh, your full share of national conversation about all of the issues that are hurting the National Football League. I wonder in moments like this if the league hears, you know, if they have open ears to the concepts of the things that are an issue. My issues are, are less distinct than the national issues. You know, a lot of people want to call and talk about the Jesse James catch uh, on the national front. Um, I think that's an issue. I think that the NFL, in the simplest possible terms, they need to redefine what is a catch so that the first-year Pop Warner football kid can understand it. So make it understandable to the 10-year-old. And we'll be good. We'll be good. All right, I, so here, here are the biggest issues of yesterday. Honestly, the biggest issues, and I'll save the biggest for last, but the biggest issues of yesterday. A fumble that goes inside the pylon and into the end zone and out without being recovered should not penalize by rewarding the ball to the defensive team that did nothing. Now, there are different ways you can go about it. You could say on the David Carr fumble going into the end zone, you place the ball at the 20-yard line, but the Raiders keep it. Keep it, but back him up. It's like it's a penalty. If you fumble it and it goes into and out of the end zone on a play just like cars, why does the defensive team get it? They didn't do anything. You have to recover. The defensive team at all other points of the field would have to recover it. Otherwise, the ball's put back to its line. But here, you want to penalize for taking the aggressive action as an offensive player for reaching out, then penalize him. But don't make it that egregious. Just penalize him. Take the ball back to the 15 or the 20. Whatever that is. You decide. Okay, that's one. Number two, the butt cheek uh, review at the back of the end zone. We're using video replay to determine things that are um, the uh, hairline decision. In this case... One cheek equals two feet, and that cheek landed a small fraction of a second ahead of his right cheek. I didn't have an issue with it. We allow replay to just try to get it right. Did they get it right? I'm not positive, which would be my only issue, is that on the field it was called incomplete. 
is that absolute definitive video evidence. I think it's pretty close. Again, I didn't have an issue with it. There's there's number two. Number three, John knows this. And by the way, I'm Mike Keller. That's John Audi. Say, John. Hey, fellas. What's up? I've been railing on the chain gang for years. We decide first downs by links of chain in the National Football League. Now, I'm not of the mindset that says you can determine the spot of the ball. I don't think we have the technology in play to determine the spot of the football. So the subjective nature of this allows that the officials on the field are going to place the football. But what the hell are we doing with links of chain and 60-year-old men, I'm not far from that, running the chain out? What are we doing with that? That makes no sense. There is all the technology on the planet. Just all you got to do is laser the deal or whatever that is. We have every piece of technology available. Stop with the stupid chain running out onto the field. And then Gene Steratore with a folded card stock that he's got in his pocket to record penalties, he decides to fly that in there to determine whether the ball moved or not. And then that's the first down because the tip of the ball struck the card stock. What if it was single ply? What if he hadn't had it folded? What if it was a sheet of paper like this instead of cardstock? You can buy more expensive cards at the at Walgreens, Costco. More expensive cards, thicker cardstock. Really, we're doing that? And then the most egregious that has people turning off the TV. And I'm not kidding you. I could have Kari, uh, I could have my wife Kari call in as we're watching the game. And Thomas Davis delivers the hit on Devontae Adams. I, I could barely see it in live action, but when they initially showed the replay, I, I got angry. Not because it's Devontae Adams, because I got just as angry when Juju Smith-Schuster did it to Vontez Perfect and George Iloka did it in the back of the end zone to Antonio Brown. That part of the game has to be done. It has to go away. And there's so many of you, um, ah, try to be nice, try to be nice. Neanderthals out there. I'd like to call you idiots, but that's not really nice. There's so many of you that view that as, hey, what? stop trying to put skirts on them. What did you sign up for? That's what this game is about. Knock it off. Your game will die with you. The league has to change. And they have dragged their feet on this for so long. Part of that fault is the, is the coaches and GMs who say, listen, you give us a 46-man roster. We can't have you ejecting players for these hits because we don't have enough players. You're part of the problem. Eject the player. Listen, every Saturday for 12 weeks, it'll be 13 when it's all said and done. Well, 13 now. It'll be 14 when it's all said and done. Every Saturday, I get to watch a college football game in person. And then I get to watch it back on video. And I watch a lot of the other games. You know what college doesn't do anymore? They don't have Thomas Davis hits anymore. They don't have George Iloka hits anymore. They don't have Juju Smith-Schuster hits anymore. They don't have Danny Trevathan hits anymore. Because when they do, that player goes to the locker room. If it's in the second half, he doesn't come out of the locker room till the second half of the following week. 
Guess who gets all over his ass? His coach. His position coach, his coordinator coach, his head coach. That's a selfish play. But the NFL doesn't care about it if Thomas Davis gets $48,000 taken out of his pocket. Now, in this case, because he is a repeat, 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 repeat offender, he's going to miss two games. He'll appeal it. It'll go down to one. He'll lose the game check. Nobody in that locker room other than Thomas Davis and his family cares about the paycheck. Nobody. GM don't care. Head coach don't care. Fans don't care. That is not the issue. If the league doesn't adopt the college football targeting rule, or at least some facsimile thereof, they're done. It's going to go away. And I've said this over and over again because I'm a parent. This is not one of those deals where I'm a dad of daughters so I understand sexual assault. It's not one of those. This is I'm a parent. I've had the conversation sitting at the kitchen table. Should our son, or it can be your daughter, play football? That hit scares parents to death. You have the option. You can play lacrosse. You can play soccer. You can golf. You can do all these other things. If you don't think it keeps kids from playing, you are crazy. You're crazy. That hit and the Neanderthal thinking that goes along with that hit, that that's part of football, is just ridiculous. I had people coming at me a little bit yesterday, last night on this, saying, you're up in arms because this is a Packers game. I was, the, I was just as adamant when Juju Smith-Schuster hit Vontez Perfect. And Perfect has a long track record. People wanted to hit him because of the hits he had imposed. I was just as dramatic about this when the, in the same game, George Iloka hit Antonio Brown in the back of the end zone. Both teams, no horse in the race, no rooting interest. I would say the same thing on the Von Miller hit of Cam Newton in the opening game last year, where there were three helmet-to-helmet hits, and they got flagged, and that was it. And then a fine later. The fine does nothing. And I would also tell you the other play that would apply in this is Clay Matthews' hit on Russell Wilson in the NFC Championship game on the interception. Clay would have been sent to the locker room. You know who doesn't do that if you have a chance of going to the locker room? Clay, Thomas Davis, George Iloka, Juju Smith-Schuster. They don't think about the money, but if their coaches have been on them, you can't ever deliver that hit because if you have to go to the locker room, you have cost your 52 teammates an opportunity to have you on the field. There's a reason you're on the field because you earn that right. We need you on that field. I see these hits. Not only do I cringe, and you can hear it right now, I get angry. This is 24 hours later, and it has nothing to do with the win or loss. You know, Thomas Davis is a former NFL Walter Payton Man of the Year. He, he can show remorse. He can apologize on Twitter. He can sit on the bench on the sideline with his head in his hands. Until you teach and legislate that hit out of the game, remorse does nothing. Thomas Davis has remorse. I don't doubt it. I don't doubt he's a good man. Good men make bad hits on the NFL football field, and it has to go away. And with that, today's show is over.
All right, we can continue. Should we do the thing now? Yeah. Okay. This is the big three at three. The top three trending sports stories this hour. Number three. Uh, what'd you think of the hit on Devontae Adams? <laughs> uh, here's the thing. Um, Did you see the Zach Brown, uh, not the band, but the Washington Redskins, Zach Brown? Did you see said what he's he, a headhunter, basically, or something like that, Zach right? Brown. Well, you see, that, it's, it's that concept that the, the NFL should, honestly, honestly, the NFL should suspend Zach Brown. Well, here's the thing. I think you're um, close with the, the college targeting rule. I think the college targeting rule is flawed sometimes where, sure, yeah. where everything is just you're getting kicked out. I said a reasonable, fact, a reasonable right. facsimile of the college rule where it goes to review and then you, you, you bring in the soccer stuff yep. or the basketball stuff, yellow card, red card, or yep. you bring in flagrant one, flagrant two. Something. One that is not deemed to be intentional. You know, like sometimes there is a moving target. You know, a receiver catches the ball and then he ducks on his way down. And the defensive back, it, it's not the Danny Trevathan hit. It's not the Thomas Davis hit. It's not the, maybe even George Iloka would qualify as a flagrant one as opposed to a flagrant two. But you know, we know which ones we're talking about. Like in that case, Clay w- Matthews hit against Russell Wilson would have been an ejectable oh, sure. offense. I think so. I think Juju Smith-Schuster would have been Ejection. ejected. Yep. I don't know about the the other hit you were talking about. Maybe not, but yeah, um, I think that's the way it has to go. There has to be different levels of it, and you know, in college you basically miss a game. It could be a little bit less depending on when you get actually kicked out of the game, right? So if you get kicked out of the ten minutes to go in the fourth quarter, you miss yeah, the you next miss half. The first half, you really don't miss an entire week. game. Correct. Yeah. So you from, can modify that too. Right. From the NFL perspective, it needs to be the you got to get kicked out, and then you have to be suspended. Because you, you suspend uh, Thomas Davis now two games, and maybe that'll get kicked down to one. In essence, it's actually tougher as far as time missed than the college game, but it's not as in immediate impact because you stay in that game for the next however many quarters you're you know, in. And, John, I know that there are people that say uh, that player shouldn't come back onto the field until the player that he hit comes back on the field. You can't do this as a results-driven deal. You have to do this based on the intent. Okay, there's intent there, and he delivered on it. Number two. Uh, poll question. What should you do with Aaron Rodgers? At John Audius Radio. Should he play? Yes or no? Mike, 63% say uh, it's time to shut him down. Yeah, I, I I did kind of the same thing, John, but I changed up the wording a little bit. I don't know if you saw that. just posted oh, it, it about no. an hour ago. Looking forward. If the Atlanta Falcons win tonight, the Packers are eliminated from playoff contention. However... If the Falcons lose, the Packers would have a 2% chance in the moment of making the playoffs. Would you play Aaron Rodgers against Minnesota? Yes, play until eliminated, or no, too risky, long shot. 64% agree with me. You play until eliminated. Sure. Yeah, that's what I say, too. You play. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation? Where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. 
At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Up until yeah. there's no mathematical chance of you doing anything. If they lose tonight, I still understand both. I, I heard you earlier and... I am in lockstep with you oh, on this. cool. What did well, I you, say? You said if uh, if Aaron Rodgers were to play, the Packers got eliminated with an Atlanta win tonight, and Aaron Rodgers were to play, you wouldn't pound the table and, and be angry. And But you go, I just don't know if I like this. Right. Yeah. That's, would... that's how I would be. I like the idea of have, these guys are paid to play, and they're paid to play and be on the field when they're deemed healthy. Now, if they deem him to be 80% healthy, that's why he played yesterday, because they were in contention, and he wouldn't have played had they been eliminated yesterday, then I would err on the side of caution if Atlanta wins tonight. But if Atlanta loses in Tampa, I know people are going to go, stop. No, you play. If Atlanta loses, Green Bay, suddenly it becomes a realistic path, not a, oh my God, are you kidding me? These teams have to tie, and that team has to lose, and this team has to miss their bus. No, the, it becomes a you, – you can see the path that would still allow the opportunity if Atlanta loses tonight. Number one. Uh, poll question at Heller Sports. Uh, this is about 23 hours ago, Mike. Single biggest reason the Packers will miss the playoffs if that is what happens. Rodgers' injury, defense slash Dom Capers, defense slash Ted Thompson, or lack of talent slash Ted Thompson. Over 1,000 votes on this. And 34% say it's because of Aaron Rodgers. I think that's fair. Um, uh, I, you know, Rodgers, don't, don't count the fourth turnover. Aaron Rodgers' injury, I should say. It's not because of his oh, the, play the, or yeah. anything like that. But even yesterday in the game, it's um, rusty. It, it's, it probably is on him. Now, they had a better chance to win with him than without him. Uh, but, I, you know, overall, why they didn't make the playoffs, it is, uh, it is on Aaron Rodgers. But to that end, on the injury... To that end, I have thoughts about this as it rolls forward into an offseason. We'll share some of those. This is a great opportunity right now for you to call. We have Don Banks joining us at 335, but if you want to get in on the show, right now is your your turn. Right now, 877-729-1070. 877-729-1070. Don Banks at 335. Uh, 4 o'clock hour has Pete Doherty at 4.15. Your chance to get on the show right now. This is the Mike Heller Show. Watching Football Night in America last night and listening to the comments of Rodney Harrison. I don't love what Rodney has to say about a lot of things, to be honest. But he, uh, they talk about the Thomas Davis helmet-to-helmet hit on Devontae Adams, and Rodney Harrison says, quote, Thomas is not a dirty player. He has to go lower. Listen, I don't know. Define what you want to do about being a dirty player. That's a dirty hit. It's that kind of hit that has to get out of the game. I don't know if I can understand the thinking of Rodney Harrison on plays like that. The game needs to evolve. The game needs to evolve. I, I don't get it. I, I don't understand it. 877-729-1070. By the way, Thomas Davis, if you just joined us, 
has been suspended by the league for two games uh, pending his appeal, which would likely get reduced down to one, as a repeat offender violating the player safety rule on that blind side hit above the shoulder, and it, obviously it is. It's helmet to helmet, blind side, defenseless. All of those things qualify. That's why that happens. Let's get to a few phone calls, if we can. 877-729-1070. Don Banks, just after the bottom of the hour. Uh, where do you want to go here? We can jump all over the place from why the Packers aren't in the playoffs to Aaron Rodgers to different rules in the NFL. Where do you want to start, Mike? Uh, just Packers? Let's just, yeah, let's just go chronological. Yeah. Matt in Milwaukee. Hi, Matt. Hello, Matt. Hi. Hi, Matt. You're on the air. Go ahead. Um, I was just wondering. Matt, are you okay? Okay. Um, some bad connections there. How about Lost we Matt. go to Robert? Hi, Robert. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Hi. How are you? I'm doing well. So I just wanted to ask about we're drawing this line of demarcation of sorts where if the Packers have any chance to make the playoffs and, in theory, win a Super Bowl, Rodgers should be out there. But as soon as that window closes, we should shut him down for the year. I know the players, including Aaron Rodgers, have a lot of respect for the medical staff. And we know Rodgers is a competitor, but he didn't go out on the field until that medical staff cleared him. Should we maybe just trust them? And if they say Rodgers is okay, let's say they're eliminated. Let him finish out the season. He's a player. He wants to be out there. Maybe he wants stats. Maybe he wants revenge against the Vikings. But I guess, why do we think like that's the magic point at which we hang up Rodgers for the season? And I'll hang up and listen. Yeah, thanks, Robert. It's a fair point, and I am actually uh, agreeing with you. I, I don't have an issue of Rodgers' place. Let's say Atlanta goes ahead and wins tonight, and Green Bay is mathematically eliminated. The check mark goes in next to their name of being out. They cannot qualify. I still don't have a problem if Rodgers plays against Minnesota and at Detroit. You know, I heard uh, Colin Cowherd, who is a flyover guy who doesn't really know the story well enough, um, and he said nothing wrong with getting Brett Hundley more snaps. Getting Brett Hundley more snaps doesn't benefit the Green Bay Packers at all because Brett Hundley has a fair chance to be somewhere else next year. What? What? What are you? You're developing somebody else's player so that you can get a. Fourth round or fifth round draft choice in compensation if he signs somewhere else. That that doesn't do me any good. Uh, I, I don't care about developing Brett Hundley. If Rodgers wants to play and he's medically cleared to play, even if you're eliminated, again, I don't have an issue with that. That doesn't bother me. So, Robert, I'm probably on your side of that. Discussion. I would just be like, uh, are we sure we want to do this, fellas? I mean... But you are you are overly cautious. I'm very cautious. Yeah, you didn't want him to play a snap in the exhibition season, uh, you, right? Yep, because <laughs> I'm worried about yep. that that freak injury, and maybe and I know it's I know it's a really small percentage chance that anything like that would even happen, but I'm just saying when you have such a valuable player like Aaron Rodgers, and his value was you know highlighted here when he was missing games. I just I I, I don't want to take any unnecessary risks, but if he does play, it's not like I'm going to say. This is the worst decision in the history of the world. Yeah, and I have no problem with him playing. I wouldn't be like, "Hey, this is a bad idea." I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be hypocritical on that front. I said it during the exhibition season that I thought he should play more snaps. Uh, I'm not gonna change my tune now. If medically they say, "Listen, 
he was playing a week in, uh, a week ahead, and there's been a little setback for some of the hits. And we're we're gonna we're gonna err on the side of caution here. I don't have a problem, but if Rogers is medically good and he wants to go, even if they're eliminated, I don't have a problem with that. That's that's not something that bugs me. Greg, you got like thirty seconds. Hi, Greg. Hi. Um, well, Aaron Rodgers might not have been playing yesterday at all if uh, if your rule had gone into effect. But with the car in Dallas and Oakland, when he fumbled out of the end zone, that was Brett Hundley's first victory of against Chicago. If that would have never happened, and if uh, Hundley didn't get any victories, Packers would have been eliminated already. And then you went to see Rodgers play, but. You, I noticed you. I didn't hear you complain when the Packers beat the Bears in Chicago. Greg, 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 Greg. It's a dumb rule. It's a dumb rule. If it benefits the Packers, it's still a dumb rule. The Des Bryant catch is a catch, not because it's against the rules, because it, it's the definition of the rule. It's a dumb rule. If the rules in place and it's properly written, Des Bryant's catch is a catch. As the rules written, it's not. And and I don't have a problem with that. Either just change the damn rule, change the rule. I just I noticed the pylon thing too. I'm glad you finally agree with me on that pylon thing. I think we've had this conversation before. It shouldn't be um, Penal- the other team shouldn't get yeah, the other penalize the team that fumbles. Yeah, but to do do it in a standard. If you fumble attempting to get the ball to the pylon and the ball is not recovered and it goes out of the end zone, put keep the the offensive yeah. team keeps the ball, but marching back to the twenty. Have it be a standard like a touchback is to the twenty five. Just say it's not a penalty. It's just the ball is remarked, and I don't know what you do from a down standpoint. That makes it a little tricky. Mm, if it's a fourth down and you're that. fumbling and trying to go in, does it remain fourth down and you put it back at the 20? I would think since you're getting the ball back. Or if it's a third back, down, does the down advance and it, and it makes it fourth down and you put it back at the 20? I think you would count that as a down, although that's a good question. I'm not sure. So there's, but... there are some elements to it that would have to be uh, figured out, but... Yeah, I, I've never a, liked a, it. It's a dumb rule whether it benefits you or not. It's the never Des made Bryant sense catch, to me. It's it, never really made sense to me that the other team gets the ball because you fumbled it diving for the end zone, and now they get the ball. Like, yeah. what? Why, why do they get the ball? By no the way, one got the just ball. Just as a little add-on on the Thomas Davis penalty, if he indeed does miss two games, that uh, fine for missing the two games because it's two games without pay is $476,000. Now, we're talking. We visit with Don Banks. He will join us, our NFL insider, next on The Mike Heller Show. I don't even want to waste time letting the whole music play. Don Banks, our NFL insider, brought to you by Metro Ford of Madison. You can catch his work at Patriots.com, The Athletic, and many other places. Don, of, of all of this stuff that happened yesterday, what in the rules interpretation or hits or uh, you know the ball fumbled out of the end zone, what bothers you the most? Like from yesterday, if you had to prioritize where would you go to the commissioner's office and say hey look at this see this is what happened we need to this needs to be taken care of well mike it's um it's still the catch rule for me it's still the fact that it it's not a common sense rule and that it has been really since the bird emmanuel 
catch in the 1999 NFC title game between Tampa Bay and St. Louis. It has been layered and layered and layered, and then clearly since Calvin Johnson in in 2010, Lions versus uh, Bears in Chicago, that's a rule that has become so, I think, so convoluted and so unnecessarily complicated. And the addition of the qualification of what has to happen as you're going to the ground that trumps breaking the plane of a goal if you're a runner, it's confusing to people. It's confusing to announcers. It's confusing to director of officials who now are on television. It's confusing to almost everyone. And as 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 bad as the rule is, it was correctly called yesterday. Right. But it does not undo the basic problem uh, of just being a travesty of a rule that defies, I think, common sense. The uh, and and I totally get it. Now take me to the end of that game on the Roethlisberger throw to the end zone. What's your interpretation of of what you think might have happened with Ben, uh, the conversation in the helmet, and not spiking the ball? I think clearly Todd Haley was probably in his ear saying, um, "Fake spike it." But the problem is, I don't think they called a legitimate play for that, and no one except for the one receiver, Eli Rogers. And so most of the team thought you're looking at, I believe, the fake, the fake spike, or I'm sorry, at the real spike. Now, even if, they, even if Ben comes out later and says, you know, I, I screwed up, I got caught kind of 50-50, I was halfway between wanting to spike it, get the fourth down, take the field goal, tie the game, and having someone suggest in my ear, um, maybe we can go for the Dan Marino like fake spike. I just I think they got confused. I think there was a little bit of panic, and I don't think there was a clear consensus on what to do if you're Pittsburgh. And I think they absolutely, you know, it, it, it's amazing, but they played into New England's hands. New England waits for the other team to make the mistake, and then they capitalize. That uh, uh, will very likely uh, mean a change of venue if the two teams meet in an AFC championship game. So there is great significance in that moment. Uh, let me ask you about your reaction on the Thomas Davis suspension, his hit on Devontae Adams of the Green Bay Packers. Adams was out for the game. Davis played the rest of the game. Now the NFL will suspend him for two games as a repeat offender. He'll appeal it. Maybe it'll get down to one. Your thoughts? Yeah, I think it, it probably will. Um, it's probably another step towards getting a targeting rule adopted in the NFL. It's also, um, they, I believe they had a clear precedent with the Juju Schuster, Smith-Schuster um, hit on Vontez Burfecht just two weeks ago, three weeks ago. Uh, very similar type of... Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. 
That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards tell them to oppose the durbin marshall credit card bill hit without the taunting but thomas davis was was fined forty eight thousand last year or last month for a hit on a bucks receiver helmet to helmet so they're going to probably take him off the field for a game um reinstate you know him for the week 17 on appeal and you know i i think it's I think it's another move that's going to probably launch serious discussion on whether it's time for the targeting rule, the college football. Uh, lost you there at the end, but uh, Don, let me ask you the follow-up to that is, uh, has the NFL been too slow to get to the targeting rule? No, I mean, my instinct is not really. I mean, they've... they've They've changed the game rapidly in so many different ways. I guess I'm not going to. John, can you check to see if we can get uh, a clean uh, phone reception from Don? He may be on the road somewhere, which is uh, very possible up in the northeast there. That's uh, where Don makes his home in uh, Boston. So see if we can get him uh, cleanly and uh, continue on this path or not. Um I think John's going to call him back. Uh, the next question I want to ask him is unrelated where the Packers are concerned, but uh, the two coaching changes that were made at the end of last year, both in Jacksonville and with the Los Angeles Rams, and uh, I think we've got Don back. Don, I saw you tweet about this a little bit ago, so I wanted to ask you about it. The coaching changes made in Jacksonville and L.A. went kind of unnoticed in the offseason, but it seems that coaching uh, has made a difference in both of those NFL cities as they're both uh, significant players now moving into the month of January. Yeah, you know, I, I wrote about this today, Mike. Both teams made moves, you know, a little early last in, last December. Um, the Rams letting Fisher go with three games. The Jaguars letting Gus Bradley go with two games. One of them stayed kind of in-house with Doug Marone becoming the interim and then getting the full-time job. And one of them went outside and very daring, hiring, you know, a then 30 one-year-old Sean McVay, um, youngest coach ever. But both of them, and I should add the caveat, the Wade Phillips hiring as defensive coordinator in Los Angeles was just as, I think, pivotal, not to mention the Tom Coughlin hiring, which I think buttressed Marone's um, foundation for, for getting that organization turned around in Jacksonville. But here they are. You know, one clinched yesterday and one all but clinched in that the Rams beat the Seahawks and now are two games up with two games to play in the NFC West. But remarkable, I think, in that it underlines if you, if you even dream that coaching is, is overrated in the NFL, take a look at their decisions, getting it right and what it meant for really taking the same talent that was on hand in both cases and getting remarkably different results remarkably different results from teams that went 3 and 13 and 4 and 12 last year um which uh, it, it leads me directly into the the follow up to that and you talk about how much coaching can make a difference your view 
does the coordinator make that much of a difference? And where that's concerned, the the drumbeat in Wisconsin is for Dom Capers. It has been for years to make a move there. Has Mike McCarthy been too loyal there? Would that change potentially make a difference in what Green Bay does defensively, which is not good enough? Well, I think the coordinators are incredibly important, and sometimes they're even more important depending on the strength of the head coach, obviously, if it's on the other side of the ball. But, you know, to me, at some point you hit this shelf life and you you, you start to lose effectiveness. And I obviously Dom Capers has been there a, a long time, and the results have never gotten to a point a plateau where you want them to get to and stayed there. They've they've played better defense in spurts, but you just consistently fight that battle. Um, I think that's the recipe for when change is needed in the NFL. Yeah, be interesting to see uh, what they do when they get to the offseason. If Green Bay was eliminated tonight uh, by an Atlanta win, do you think they should or will sit Rodgers down? I think both. I think they should and I think they will. Um I think they understand that uh, he took a certain amount of risk even playing yesterday. It didn't work out. It was an extreme long shot going in, given their schedule. And, um, you know, they took care of really their chances in week one of a three-week window. But I'd be shocked to see him play in a meaningless situation. And, frankly, if Atlanta would lose, it's still such a slim, um, narrow path to the playoffs. I would not be shocked if the Packers didn't play Rodgers even when they were mathematically all but eliminated. Yeah, we I won't agree necessarily on that, but we'll get we'll cross that bridge. Green Bay, uh, they'll make that decision, I think, based on tonight. Uh, and I'm sure Rodgers is going to be part of it. Uh, Don, what else are you working on? What can we see? Well, I wanted to publicize a piece that I wrote for The Athletic that just posted today as part of a rollout. They started a new kind of a national platform, The Athletic Inc., I-N-K., I did an oral history 40 years ago, the 1977 Bucks, truly the worst offense in NFL history. The numbers are staggering. But I talked to a lot of folks that were on that team and that played for that team. It's, a, it's quite a tale. Uh, the, the Bucks got their first win um, 40 years ago last Monday, December 11th, 1977. But the first 12 games of that season, they scored an entirety of 54 points. And seven offensive touchdowns for the whole year. It's I, I think it's a level of offensive ineptitude that will never be seen again in this league, and it's kind of an entertaining read. You can read that at theathletic.com. Don, we always appreciate it. Thank you. This is the Mike Heller Show. They're the in crowd. We're the other ones. It's a different kind of cloth that we're cut from. We let our colors show where the numbers ain't. We're the paint where there ain't supposed to be paint. That's who we are. This is the Mike Heller Show. That's how we roll. Call the show at 877-729-1070. Send a tweet at Mike Heller Show. Now, here's Mike Heller. I will get To the second hour of the program, uh, appreciate Don Banks joining us, Patriots.com, The Athletic as well. Check out his work at those sites. We'll, we'll visit with Pete Doherty at about 20 minutes past the hour. 
The uh, the breaking news uh, in the NFL where today is concerned is the two-game suspension for Thomas Davis on Devontae Adams. And I said uh, two games is, uh, is appropriate. It'll get uh, appealed down to one. But he needed to be ejected yesterday. They need to change the rule. They need to adopt a version, not the exact, but a version of the college football targeting rule. Nick tweeted at me, no, stop with the BS. It's a bad rule in college. No, you totally missed the point, Nick. You totally missed the point. You know what you don't have in college? And I'm there. I watch it. I watch it in person, and I watch it on TV. And you know what you don't have in college? Yesterday's hit by Thomas Davis. The hit from two Monday nights ago by Juju Smith-Schuster. The hit from two weeks ago by George Iloka. The hit from Clay Matthews to Russell Wilson in the NFC Championship game in Seattle. The hits by Von Miller to Cam Newton in the opening game of a year ago. College football has essentially, not completely, but essentially legislated those hits out of the game. Because coaches won't tolerate losing players, key players, for a game or a half of a game or the second half and the first half of the following week. They don't care about the money. In the NFL, the defensive coordinator and the head coach don't care when George Iloka gets fined. They don't care. George Iloka cares. His banker cares. That's it. Otherwise, they feel like they're getting picked on. But when the coach says, I've said this for years. How long am I? John, have I said it for years? Let's hear it. If the coaches care, then the players will stop doing it. When the coach and the organization say, you're unemployable and you're selfish and you're not going to be on our roster if you headhunt because you're kicked out of the game, then those players will stop doing it. You don't see it in the college game. I've talked about, listen, it doesn't have to be exactly the same. Bring it in and allow yesterday. Yesterday should have been, that is such an easy decision to take it to video replay and eject Thomas Davis. Now, what happens when you eject Thomas Davis yesterday? Every time he made a play the rest of the day, I burned. He shouldn't be on the field. And I know he felt remorse. Listen, I believe in his remorse. You can't act out and then have remorse be it, allow it to be forgiven. There has to be a penalty, not the financial penalty, although he's going to get a heavy financial penalty. If indeed he misses two games, it'll cost him a half a million dollars. I don't care about his money. You don't care about his money. His coach doesn't care about his money. His coach cares about his availability to play the next snap and the next series and the next quarter and the next half and the next game. When you take him off the field, you will get rid of these hits. You will do it. And trust me, the NFL needs to get rid of these hits. You know, I, I don't I had no issue with uh you know, I do have an issue, but it's not the reason I'm upset about it. I was just as as upset when I saw the hit by Juju Smith Schuster on Vontez Burfecht and George Iloka against Antonio Brown and the hits last year 
um, against Cam Newton by Von Miller in the opening game, which should have resulted in ejections and didn't. They hit earlier this year by Danny Trevathan on Devontae Adams. They hit by Clay Matthews in the NFC Championship game in Seattle on Russell Wilson after the interception. Those hits, which not even a generation ago, 10 years ago, 12 years ago, they were celebrated. And former players still look at those hits and go, that's just a really tough football play. That's BS. That has to go away. That mentality has to change. There has to be a paradigm shift. Or football will continue to run into problems of participation. Because you don't think, if you don't have, if you don't have kids, you don't see this. But there are conversations, there are family meetings around the country on a regular basis, sitting around the kitchen table and sitting around the living room, trying to decide if their kids should play. It's there. And hits like that, I'd have a hard time, if we took it back four or five years ago, I'd have a hard time relating to my wife if she was the one more concerned about it than me, although I think it would be even. I'd have a hard time selling it. When we're watching those games, I'd stop watching the games on Sundays if I wanted to keep my son or daughter playing football. Because I wouldn't want to have to have that discussion where, you know, in this case, where Kari might look at the screen and go, really, Mike? That's what we want to do? That's 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 the, I mean, can he play lacrosse? Can he, You know, and it wouldn't necessarily be her. I don't mean to make it a husband-wife deal. People forget that that conversation happens across the country. That hit turns my stomach. And it had nothing to do with a rooting interest in the game. It turns my stomach. And if it does that, and I'm at the age of which my kids are deciding whether to play football or not, and I'm part of the decision process, that moves me one direction. And it's a direction that says, let's explore lacrosse. Let's explore soccer. Let's go different directions. You're, you're responsible for the livelihood of your children and their safety. And by the way, for Zach Brown of the Washington Redskins, who put out there earlier today, um, he is uh, he's a, a football player, not, not the band. Um, he's, he weighed in on the Devontae Adams tweets back and forth with Thomas Davis. And he said about your post on Adams' comments, Tell Adams, don't play, because I'm always head hunting. I hope that the NFL sus- suspends or fines Zach Brown for just saying it. And I, also hope th- I would also hope this. Just keep in mind, if Zach Brown comes down the pike 10 years and he's looking for some CTE money because he's got symptoms and he's looking for a settlement from the league and he joins in that, ban him from it. The league needs to all be on the same page with this. Players, former players, future players, coaches, GMs, executives in the league. The NFL's got rules problems that we'll get into uh, about what is a catch, what isn't a catch, fumbles into and out of the end zone, one cheek equals two feet. They've got Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Got all of these rule problems, too. This is a life problem. This is a sanctity of the game problem. This is a future of the game problem. This is a survival problem. That's the biggest problem that came out of yesterday's deals again. And they have, I disagree with Don Banks, who joined us in the last hour. He doesn't think they've been too slow to the table. I think they've been incredibly slow to the table. Those hits have to go away. And in college football, if you watch it on a regular basis, they've pretty much gone away. So when you say those hits, hey, fellas, what's up? When you say those hits, are you talking about the ones that appear to be lined up? Because obviously guys are getting kicked out of college games for helmet-to-helmet hits, right? Yes. I mean, it's it's happening. Yeah, correct. They're targeting penalties every yep. weekend. Yes. So those hits, what's the difference we're talking about here? Earlier this year, T.J. Edwards got sent uh, for the for the Badgers, got sent to the locker room and uh, had to miss the rest of, of an important Big Ten home game. And if you looked at the video replay of it, there was helmet-to-helmet contact, and they err on the side of, of uh, safety, so they'll send a player off, and it makes the fan base angry, and it makes the coaches angry to a certain extent. Hey, by, by the way, let's just make this number four, okay? Yeah. Okay. However... Um, it ends up being the right call. In the T.J. Edwards situation, if you make that rule an NFL rule, uh, I think you have to send it upstairs, and I think in college you have to as well, and make it a flagrant one, and it's 15 yards and a yellow card essentially for the player. You're on notice. You have another unsportsmanlike, you're going to be done. Not even a helmet-to-helmet, unsportsmanlike, taunting, whatever it is. You're now one yellow card. If you get another one, it's a red card, you're done. T.J. Edwards hit wasn't nearly as egregious as Thomas Davis or Juju Smith-Schuster or George Iloka or Danny Trevathan, all those other hits that we're talking about in the NFL. So you just say that. You say, listen, um, there's the, it's a 15-yard penalty. Regardless, you're going to stay in the game. You'll miss a play. Stay in the game. It's a 15-yard penalty, but you're on notice. You have, a, you have a yellow card. You get any other unsportsmanlike, late hit on the quarterback, taunting, whatever that is. You will be done. You get another hit, you're obviously going to be done. You just take it and, and you make players aware of it, and you don't see the egregious helmet-to-helmet, what used to be called kill shots. You don't see them in college football because they know they're going away. Yeah, they just happen by accident if you're going to, right? Most yeah. of the time it's yeah, just it's, dipping it's usually, and diving. And... Yep, it's, it's, uh, it, it, exactly. It happens by happenstance, not with intention. Because it can happen. It's part of the game. Sometimes the target moves at the last second. That's why you have to have some subjective judgment. But don't look at... You can't look at the Danny Trevathan hit on Devontae Adams or the Thomas Davis hit or the Juju Smith-Schuster hit or the George Iloka hit or the Clay Matthews hit a couple of years ago on Russell Wilson or the Von Miller hit on Cam Newton to begin last year. Three of them in one game. You can't look at those and not see the ejectable offense. And the NFL has to get there. Number three. Right, that was number four. Number three. Did you see this from college basketball? Frank Kaminsky, former Wisconsin Badger, 
going to have his jersey retired on February 15th. University put that out today. It'll be Frank Kaminsky Knights for the Badgers. Now, here's the deal, Mike. Uh, the number 44 will be the second number to hang at the Cole Center Rafters uh, behind Ab Nicholas's number 8. But the number 44 will remain in circulation. What do you think of Frank Kaminsky Knight? I think it's awesome. We've been talking about this before. Like, yeah. which numbers would you retire, yeah. and how should they do it? National Player of the Year, um, you know, back-to-back Final Fours. Uh, yeah, uh, it, it is It is a, a really good move. I think it, they've had it in the works for a while, I think. Uh, it's a good move. It's the right move. Uh, and I think it's a good thing. And if you then want to say, well, who else would you? I don't know if you're going to – you could retroactive this – you know, every few years, maybe you you bring in an, a, another one. I don't know who else is on that list. I, I really don't. I mean, you we, time. It's conversation for another day. Yeah. But it could be guys like Devin Harris or Orlando Tucker. Um, but y- you don't. They're not going to do this like the Yankees do, where they don't have any numbers left, and and you know they've got more hung up. Um, but I, I'm I'm glad the Badgers are. I'm glad Wisconsin's going this direction. Yeah, it's definitely it's long overdue, isn't it? I mean. Now you'll get to see Kaminsky's number. You'll get to see Orlando Tucker's number. You'll get to see all these Badger greats, and they get some sort of recognition, and it's a fun night, and it's cool. And I don't have a problem that they wouldn't, uh, or that they would recirculate the jerseys, too, because at some level, I mean, (laughs) you're going to start to run out of numbers, especially in college basketball. But um, I don't have a problem that somebody else would still be wearing number 44. It's just the recognition that Kaminsky deserves, and it's cool. Number two. Uh, so, Mike, what do you do? What do you do with Aaron Rodgers? You've adjusted the poll question I had earlier today on the rundown with John Adius, and uh, basically you ask if the Packers are eliminated, right? How did you phrase your poll question? You had a couple of poll questions today. Well, John, this is what I did. Uh, I, I said if the Packers are eliminated, uh, not eliminated tonight, because that that if Atlanta wins tonight, Green Bay gets eliminated. So I said, if the Falcons lose tonight, uh, by some websites I looked at, was uh, the Green Bay Packers percentage chance to make the playoffs is two percent. It's actually you know it's really actually feasible, but it's it's still a two percent. If Atlanta loses tonight, so Green Bay is not mathematically eliminated, but it's still a long shot. Would you play Aaron Rodgers? Sixty five percent of you of the four hundred and forty plus votes. Say yes, play until eliminated. 35% of you are Johnny Cautious, and you say, nope, too risky slash long shot. And that's you, Johnny Cautious, that I've compared to. <clears throat> well, I said play him. You play Aaron, in my opinion, you play Aaron Rodgers until those numbers say zero. Right? Because you never know. Weird stuff happens yep. in sports all the time. So I would play Aaron Rodgers. Now, if they did get eliminated, and Atlanta beat Tampa tonight, which could very likely happen, I would probably pull the plug on Aaron Rodgers' season because I'm Johnny Cautious, and I don't want some weird fluke thing. I'm not so much worried about the shoulder as I am about just some weird like knee injury or something that's just unnecessary for your quarterback to have to go through and have to rehab from and have to overcome to starting 2018. So, But if they did play him, I wouldn't. Like I'm kind of, if you want to say I'm on the fence about it, I guess I kind of am on the fence a little bit. But if they did play him, I wouldn't also then say, people need to get fired. What are they doing? He absolutely cannot play. I just personally would be like, I don't think it's worth any risk whatsoever to, to throw him out there in a game that means nothing. These are like exhibition games if they lose. Yeah. They mean nothing. Number one. They mean nothing, Mike. 
Number one in our big 4-4. Another poll question from Ant Heller Sports on Twitter. You can go vote. So, Mike, the single biggest reason the Packers are going to miss the playoffs if they, in fact, do. Rodgers' injury, the defense and Dom Capers, or the defense and Ted Thompson, or the lack of talent and depth, and blame that on Ted Thompson as well. There's a 50% chance here that Ted Thompson is going to get blamed. Is that uh, right? 34% say it's Rodgers to blame his injury. I, that's what I voted for. Yeah, I mean, it, it, if you're going to determine now, there. Okay, so I agree. It's all about perspective. The, the reason Green Bay's not going to play January football, if indeed they don't, and and that's the odds right now, it's due to the Aaron Rodgers injury. Now, let me ask it: If I pose it a different way, because I said I would get to this, uh, if we were already looking forward, and we will, because we're going to have, uh, you know, they just added with the loss yesterday, and if Atlanta wins tonight. The January has thirty days. Sure, it, it they just added eleventy nine days to January if the Packers aren't in the playoffs. It makes January the longest month of the winter. Yeah, what are you looking forward to on the weekends? Jeez, oh, like now, what are you going to do? Oh, right, my goodness. Um, and believe me, I've been my, there. My I know point what is, I know is if like. we get into that conversation, th- there are two things I would do. One, I would make uh, defensive changes. We just talked to Don Banks about this asking how much a defensive coordinator... Listen, what I would do in Green Bay, if I were um, Mark Murphy, I would say, through Ted Thompson, if Ted Thompson is still around, that's a different story, I would say, you need to revamp your defense. Mike McCarthy, we want you as our head coach because we believe in you. You you need to become uh, the head coach, but you're responsible for the offense. And turnover. I don't care who that is, John, really. Bring in Rex Ryan as a defensive coordinator. You turn the defensive side of the football over to somebody younger, more aggressive, whatever that connotation is of a defensive coach, and you end up doing it like they did all those years ago. Mike Ditka, Buddy Ryan. And you say, listen, I'm an offensive coach, Mike McCarthy, and we're going to run the offense, and you're still responsible to me, but I'm going to pull my hands back, and we're going to trust this group to run our defense. Go find that guy. I think Dom Capers could just walk. I think he could take the decision out of the hands of a loyal Green Bay Packers organization and just say, I'm going to retire. Or maybe they give him that option, right? Like, hey, how do you want to do this? Yeah. Um, now, but I would make that transition, and they probably should have done it well in advance of this. If you want to be hypercritical of Mike McCarthy, you would be hypercritical of that loyalty. It's all about perspective, though, right? Like, I, I voted Aaron Rodgers' injury is the reason they're probably going to miss the playoffs. But if you look at it as, you know, you're, you have to plan for injury, well, you didn't do a very good job of planning, and you might blame the lack of talent. You might blame Dom Capers for that defense finally getting uh, even more exposed since there's not Aaron Rodgers there bailing them out, right? So I could see how you might look at this and say, hey, you got to plan for injuries. And you didn't do a very good job because this team was built all around Aaron Rodgers and it's Aaron Rodgers or bust. Yeah. I can see how you could vote the 31% say it's Dom Capers' fault, right. too. Yeah. Uh, I got deeper thoughts on that, but we'll get to that. There is. It sounds like there's going to be plenty of time. January should be fun in that regard. We'll visit with Pete Doherty of the Green Bay Press-Gazette, PackersNews.com. Our Green and Gold Insider is next. This is the Mike Heller Show.
Like we get to do to bookend the week, we welcome in Pete Doherty, our Green and Gold Insider, brought to you by Metro Ford of Madison. He at PackersNews.com, Green Bay Press Gazette. So, Pete, overall, uh, yesterday, I mean, it comes down to four turnovers. The last one, the perhaps the most costly, because you were in a position to force overtime. Uh, as you kind of stepped back from it, is that the difference in yesterday's game? Is the bit of rust on Aaron Rodgers and a turnover on a catch fumbled end the game? Yeah, that's most of it. I mean, there's you know you can throw around a lot of responsibility, but uh, you know they had a couple pretty bad blown coverages on touchdowns. Um, but you know they still had a chance to tie that game up even with the interceptions. And I, you know if you look at the interception to Cobb, uh, Cobb was open and he oh, was yeah. behind the defense that. I mean, that would have been a big play, maybe even a touchdown. I don't know if he outruns anybody anymore, but it would have at least been a big play. But Rodgers just, he just underthrew it fairly badly, and that's why he got picked. And he says he was trying to throw the Devontae Adams one away, and he just, you know, couldn't throw it far enough with, uh, you know, with uh, Bakhtiari being pushed back into his face. Uh, but yeah, that was, it was just, he was too rusty, and they needed him to play, you know, a lot closer to the MVP level than he did. Um, and and even with all that, they still they still had that chance to tie the game. That was a good chance to tie the game until the fumble. Yeah. So yeah, you're, we're talking about the throw to Cobb is on the uh, Packers' first possession of the second half. They take a fourteen ten lead into the halftime. Uh, Panthers open the second half with a seven play seventy six yard touchdown drive. That's the one that finishes on Josh Jones uh, biting up on the Greg Olson 30-yard touchdown. No safety help behind. It looked like it was on Jones, but only they truly know those situations. But then, yeah, that that throw, shoot to Cobb, if he put some air under it, he just threw it flat. It's just a missed throw. But you're right, it's, it, it could be a touchdown. Certainly it's going to be a 40, 50, 60-yard play if it's not a touchdown. And the Panthers scored on the ensuing drive. They scored a touchdown. So it went from maybe Green Bay regathering the lead to suddenly trailing by 10 in, in the opening possessions, and it was a game-changer. Yeah, and it was it set him up, I think, at the 49, which is, you know, kind of a short field. And I didn't realize it, you know, watching it live, I didn't realize, you know, even in whatever replays I saw, um, just how that he, that he was open, that he was behind everybody on the defense. There was no safety behind him. He had, he had beaten everybody. I just noticed that watching, uh, re-watching the game today, so... It was huge, and I mean, you know, it's, it's really telling. Uh, Rodgers, that was only the fourth three-interception game of his career, and the last one was in 2009. So he had three of them in his first two years as a starter and hadn't had one since until yesterday. I mean, there was just too much rust on him. Uh, Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. We'll get back to the game in a moment. But as they look forward, when do you think, will it be, uh, well, I don't even know if there's media availability tomorrow, but would it be after the result of the Atlanta game before Green Bay makes any proclamation about Rodgers playing moving forward? I would think so. There is no 
uh, media tomorrow. Uh, McCarthy talks at 6 o'clock tonight, so there's a chance he could say then. I don't think he would say that he's definitely not playing, not right. with the Atlanta game still you know, to be played. But maybe he would just say, yes, he's playing no matter what. You know, there's always that chance. I don't think he will, but but he could. But otherwise, yeah, I would think. Uh, I don't even know. I don't think they would announce it. Um, you know, I guess why tell what they're going to do to you know why why tell Minnesota what they're going to do? Um, so it might leak out though through other through other means, or you know, would for sure um, he'd you know he'd be asked about it on Wednesday and probably would say. What do you think they should do? Uh, if Atlanta wins, which is pretty highly likely what's going to happen, then I would sit him if I were them. And if Atlanta loses, you know, I'd play him because the odds, even though, Mike, I saw your tweet today and you went through all those things, you know, they're all plausible. Now to have them all happen, the odds start getting longer. But as long as you're, as long as you're in the hunt for another week, I think you've got to, you got to play the guy, but you know, chances are really good that it's you know this is all academic and it's all over tonight yeah and i think tonight's the the key element of that so so if just to for those who didn't see the tweet if atlanta loses tonight i mean what has to happen atlanta has to lose out so at tampa uh i don't know uh you know we've seen tampa play they're not very good uh but if atlanta were to lose tonight then they play at new orleans and home against carolina and yeah. New Orleans and Carolina have something to play for. At least they do in the moment. We'll see how it pans out. If Atlanta were to lose those three, then Green Bay only needs two other things to happen. One is for Seattle to lose their game at Dallas this weekend and for Dallas then to lose their season finale at Philadelphia. So, I mean, we're not talking about complications of ties and things of that nature. And then, of course, Green Bay has to win twice. But it, yeah. Atlanta, tonight's game probably is the one there. If Atlanta loses tonight, I know the percentages don't change much, Pete, but if Atlanta loses tonight, it suddenly becomes, you can see the path, and there is not a likely possibility, but you can see it, it's realistic. I would have, you know, when you when I saw that tweet, because it goes, like right now it's like 1% or yeah, less than 1%. right. right. And it only it only goes up to like was it only two percent if Atlanta loses? Yeah, if Atlanta loses tonight, uh, that it doesn't change much at all because the assumption is that Atlanta's going to win one of the three. But they're playing at New Orleans and Carolina after this. Yeah, so in I don't know in my in my just kind of eyeballing it, gut feeling mind, you know, right now less than one percent does seem right because chances are really good that Atlanta's not going to lose. But if they do, I think that I think those odds jump up to about ten percent or so. Um, if if Atlanta were to lose, because like you said, Carolina and New Orleans both have something to play for. Um, Ezekiel Elliott is back, so um, Seattle could very easily lose out in Dallas. I mean, we saw you know the, what happened to them, you know, yesterday, and they're missing a couple of their best defensive players. So they're, I mean, they're toast now. Um, so yeah, I mean, those we're not talking about any big long shot things except for yeah. the game tonight. Yeah, the game tonight applies to that. Otherwise, how did you think, uh, you know, there will be a lot of people that point at Green Bay's defense. What did you see defensively yesterday, especially considering all of the names that you had to look at the program two or three times to figure out who was in the secondary? They're just, uh, you know, the Kevin King injury killed them uh, because they've got to play a safety as their nickel corner, um, and that 
takes the nitro out of it probably. You know, they, we haven't seen any of that now for, for several weeks. Um, and they, you know, they just keep low on coverages a couple times a game, and it's, it's always a big score. Um, both the McCaffrey touchdown and the, and the easy one to Olsen, that 30-yarder. You know, the thing was with Rodgers back, if either of those drives or both of them, if those are held to field goals, that's a big win for the Packers because with, with Rodgers back, they can put up a lot of points. You give up two drives like that, you still outscore it by one point on just, you know, five plays where he marches them downfield and puts them in the end zone. So, um, you know, if they just get even, they don't it's, They don't even need stops. They just need to give up field goals. So the defense deserves a, a lot of responsibility. But, you know, this is exactly the kind of game that they were winning the final six weeks of last year and in the playoffs. And the reason they won them was because Rodgers was playing great, and he was far from great yesterday. He was just too rusty from the nine weeks off, and I don't know how his arm felt as a thrower, but uh, if nothing else, the, the rust was just more than uh, than he could overcome. Uh, we will have plenty to talk about when we revisit at the end of the week. It will either be transitional conversation as to how Green Bay begins to approach the pending off season, or it'll be the the slim chance that remains alive and and Aaron Rodgers and other things. So Pete, we'll look forward to to visiting at the end of the week. All right, sounds good, Mike. Thanks, Pete. Pete Doherty of the Green Bay Press Gazette, PackersNews.com. His time here as our Green and Gold Insiders, brought to you by Metro Ford of Madison. Phone lines open now. It's a good chance for you to join us on the Mike Heller Show, 877-729-1070. 877-729-1070. Jump in now, and we continue on the Mike Heller Show in a couple of minutes. By the way, let me tell you about our new partnership with Trip Nerd. So sports is a big part of our life, and, and some of life's greatest bucket list events are tied to sports and music, entertainment, Final Four, Super Bowls, great concerts. If your bucket list is anything like mine, it includes all of those and maybe even a golf trip to a great place like Ireland or other places uh, that are destinations for golfers. So as we talk about Trip Nerd, and we've got a new partner, T-R-I-P-N-E-R-D, if you have a bucket list in the Super Bowl, Final Four, those things are on it, not checked off yet, make a note to dial pound 250 on your phone, pound 250, and when asked for the keyword, say trip nerd. The biggest one-day sporting events in America are there for you. Your bucket list events, game tickets, lodging, exclusive event opportunities, it's all available to you through trip nerd. They take care of everything. Find out how by dialing pound 250 and use the keyword TRIPNERD. All of your sports and entertainment bucket list events are available through TRIPNERD. Back in just a couple of moments, this is The Mike Heller Show. I'm a big Stevie Wonder fan, so I like to get back. Well done, John. Well done. I, I did that just for you. I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Back in with you on a Monday. It's a short work week for me. I'll be in today and tomorrow talking about the Packers. Listen, tonight is the really the only other game that matters right now. It's the only game tonight. But if the Atlanta Falcons go to Tampa Bay and win, then the Packers' season officially comes to a close. They'll play, but... They're uh, a chance to be in in the hunt 
it is over. So tonight is that night. Uh, and honestly, if Tampa Bay pulls the upset and beats Atlanta tonight, the path for Green Bay to get into the playoffs is actually a realistic one. And I know people can say, are you kidding me? It's a ridiculous long shot. It's not nearly as ridiculous as you think. If it's still alive at the end of tonight, then all you're really rooting for is Atlanta to lose at New Orleans. <laughs> Come on. We've seen New Orleans play. And to lose at home against Carolina. I get it. That's The, the Atlanta quotient here is the, a bit of a long shot. They need to lose three times. And tonight's the, the one that they should win. But you wouldn't be surprised if they lost at New Orleans, would you? And would you really be surprised if Atlanta lost against Carolina? We've seen Carolina play. That team can be very good depending on what's at stake. The other situation that has to happen, other than, of course, Green Bay winning their remaining two games, is Seattle to go to Dallas and lose, and then Dallas to lose the season finale at Philadelphia. I've only talked about three things. Atlanta losing out and the Seattle-Dallas little two-game deal. Seattle goes to Dallas with the return of Ezekiel Elliott, and Dallas wins that game, and then Dallas loses at Philadelphia in game 16. Well, 538 right now has the Packers at less than a percentage chance. And as long as that is still a tiny percentage, I would still play Aaron Rodgers until that gets to zero. That's the way I would go. I mean, how many times in sports have you seen? They had a 1%. They had NFC Championship game. The Seahawks had less than a 1% chance to beat the Packers. Less than a half percent. Wasn't it like 0.1? Wasn't it like a tenth of a percentage point at one at one moment during the game. So I guess my point is, you just play them until you can't. Yeah, that's how that works. John. That's the way I would handle it. Yeah. 877-729-1070. We welcome you aboard on the Mike Heller Show. Conrad called the show, and he has a whole bunch of stuff he wants hey, to talk Conrad, about. Conrad, what, what what's going on? Oh, man. I, you know, I'm so glad you guys just helped me through break because it just gave me a chance to just kind of settle down a little bit. But I'm there's a lot. There's a lot on my mind because had I known that that Rodgers, I mean, did anyone expect him to be that rusty? I don't think anyone expected it, and it's really, like, it's kind of disheartening, but I know it's the gut reaction. The guy's ready, medically cleared. you got to put him in. you got to play. He's the guy. He's the franchise. He's number 12. You know, he's the guy. But, like, when you have a game plan, you know, you going in, you're relying on him to be himself, and he's not, when in the last couple weeks, We've been molding this team to play as a team, and I just feel like I just feel like they're maybe, you know, and it's crazy because I was on a nationwide show Saturday going in. I think it's called, uh, I won't say it because uh, it's not part of your network, but uh, we were getting a chance to talk about, um, you know, their chances out in Charlotte, and I didn't think their chances were going to be that great. I thought it was going to be a miracle chance to go out there and win, and it was almost that. It was a miracle chance. We were almost down to the miracle. But I just can't believe, like, we had a healthy, healthy Brett Huntley going into the game. And if no, maybe not. he was making those no, throws in no, practice and no, we, make, we make that assumption that he can play the game. No, you're not. No, I was thinking the other way. Like, imagine if Huntley had to play that game. What would the score be? I think Green Bay would have been, yeah. they would have gotten hammered. I think it would have been even more lopsided. Yeah, for sure. Can't, I mean, but what about the running game? I mean, wouldn't our, wouldn't, didn't it seem like our running game was fruitful, but it just didn't get like tapped into enough? Yeah, maybe, I can understand uh, thinking that the offensive game plan could have, should have featured a little bit more of the run. We saw Aaron Jones have 
uh, on one scoring drive, great success. Um, but you cannot think that the Packers would have stood a a see here's puncher's chance with Brett Hundley. Not even a puncher's here's chance. Here's the thing. Rodgers throws three picks, and there was definitely some rust there. Something was going on. I don't know what the exact reason was, but he wasn't the, the Aaron Rodgers that we typically come to see. But I don't think there's any way Hundley is throwing three touchdowns with no those way. three picks. If no he way. throws three picks, it's zero or maybe one touchdown. Green Bay gets beat, beat by three scores if Brett Hundley's the quarterback. They probably give It's probably like 38 to uh, Thirteen, seven, seven. yeah, yeah. Ten. They're not. They're not doing what they did. No uh, this is from Rob Domofsky of uh, ESPN.com. He says the Packers are re-signing Joe Callahan to the roster per a source. Callahan was released on Saturday to make room for Rodgers off IR. He speculates it could mean the Packers are considering shutting down Rodgers if they're out of playoff contention. Which, yeah, it would happen. make sense if they did shut him down. They don't have a third quarterback. But it looks like the gears are in motion. Yeah. Then just right, everything's protecting kinda like, their own interests. Just. Uh, uh, you know, taking care of the other elements of it. It is uh, it's strategic planning. It's uh, the right thing to do. Rhino called the Mike Keller Show. Hi, Rhino. Hey, guys. I am uh, nowhere near as excited as Conrad was, but I will try my best. Uh, I wanted to comment on the poll question, the one asking uh, what we should blame the season on, if Aaron Rodgers' injury, uh, a couple of the choices were Ted Thompson. And uh, my question with the follow-up comment was, if you're going to point the finger at Aaron Rodgers' injury, if you're going to use that, uh, for blame, wouldn't part of that blame still fall on Ted Thompson's shoulders? Because I, I feel like if this team had a defense anywhere near as good as it was in 09 or 2010, it probably could have won two or three more games. Yeah, I, I, I think you can make that argument. Um, it, Green Bay needed to go probably four and three in Rodgers' absence rather than three and four. And if you throw in the Minnesota game, which I, you know, I think it's a coin toss that you win that game with Rodgers, um, but let's talk about the games he didn't start that Rodgers was out. You needed to find a way to go 4-3. and three. Now, I would make this argument, Rhino. I would say in most places, if New Orleans loses uh, Drew Brees, if Atlanta loses Matt Ryan, if Carolina loses Cam Newton, uh, you can c- continue to go down the list. If the, if the Rams lose Jared Goff, you can continue to go down that run, um, even with uh, Philadelphia, if they'd have lost Carson Wentz early, my guess is that if they had to go seven full games without that guy, they're probably going three and four two as well. So, um, yeah, I, I, I do. I, it, it's a discussion for another day on Ted Thompson and the future because there are bold moves that Green Bay could make. There are bold moves. Uh, one that's less bold, but still for some. Uh, you've called for it, but I, I think it would be drastic by Green Bay measures, and that is to clean house defensively. And say, Mike McCarthy, we love you as our coach, as our head coach, but we need a change defensively, so you're going to revamp in this way. We continue in a couple of minutes on the Mike Heller Show. They're the end crowd, we're the other ones. It's a different kind of cloth that we're cut from. We let our colors show where the numbers ain't. We're the paint where there ain't supposed to be paint. That's who we are. This is the Mike Keller Show. That's how we roll. Call the show at 877-729-1070. Send a tweet at Mike Keller Show. Yeah, 
Now, here's Mike Keller. I will not get We welcome you into the 5 o'clock hour of the program. Green Bay Packers gave us a lot to talk about yesterday with a uh, frustrating loss in Carolina. The return of Aaron Rodgers, three interceptions, a game-ending fumble from the Packers who were driving and potentially uh, going to score a game-tying touchdown and sent it to overtime. Geronimo Allison fumbled. There are storylines to talk about from the NFL on helmet-to-helmet hits, on what is and isn't a catch, on one cheek equals two feet, on fumbles going into and out of the end zone and how that should be ruled. There are lots of those conversations to be had. There's the conversation to be had about Aaron Rodgers and should he continue to play if Atlanta wins or loses tonight in Tampa on the Monday night game. So there are all of these opportunities to begin this, the 5 o'clock hour of the show, but I'll begin here with a friend of mine, in talking about Rob Andringa. The former Wisconsin hockey player is not in a great place right now. He is suffering from cancer, uh, uh, spent the weekend in the hospital, went home yesterday, and uh, they're working through this. But I know so many of you who listen to the show are familiar with Rob's work, uh, both as a hockey player at Wisconsin uh, as a broadcaster who has done many Wisconsin hockey games over the years, made his home, moved his home to Minneapolis a few years ago in the financial bi- business. And he is widely loved by those who know him. And if you don't know him, maybe you know of him. So I I just ask this as we begin the 5 o'clock hour on a Monday, is to give your strength and thoughts and prayers, because I do believe in, in those strengths uh, in faith and in prayer and in thoughts and send them to the Andringa family. Send them to Rob. Send them to Christy. Send them to their family. So I do that because I know Rob, known Rob for a very, very long time. I consider him a, a, a dear friend, somebody who I've done games with, worked with him on Wisconsin hockey broadcast many, many times. Uh, He is a good man, and he needs your help, and he needs your thoughts and your prayers. So I hope if you know him, you'll find your way to reach out uh, to to help. And I think that uh, so many of you already have through uh, Christy, Rob's wife, made a Facebook post on this last night, and the the outpouring of support there has been tremendous. Um, So, you know, and what it does— Gives us all a chance for perspective. We want to talk at great length about what happened with Aaron Rodgers and the Packers yesterday and who's at fault and which calls were blown by officials and what works and what doesn't work and should he have played and all these things. And we want to talk about the end to the Pittsburgh Steelers game. And then you see this. And it gives you perspective. Uh, It gives you a, a, a dose of what we should be worried about the things that are important. And this, this is what I do for a living. We talk about sports. We talk about games. We talk about results. Whose fault is what? How you roll forward. Why this team didn't win? Who's to blame? And you, that's what we do. But we gain some perspective. It's not the kind of perspective I want to gain. I mean, I think I already have that perspective. But it's the reminder. 
And, uh, and rather than using it as that tool, I would just ask for those of you who know Rob uh, and the Andringa family to think about them and maybe to reach out where that's concerned. We welcome you into the 5 o'clock hour. I'm Mike Heller. That guy right over there, that's John Audius. Hey, fellas. What's up? A lot of things going on in the NFL this weekend, man, from the actual Packers game itself. I Can I just go down a list of things happening, and can we just like talk about them like a little bit at a time? Because there were so many. I don't even know where you want to start. Do you want to start with the Packers game? Do you want to start with how rusty was Aaron Rodgers? How much of that? Was that all rust, three interceptions? Was some of that just bad luck? Well, he the the throw to Randall Cobb on the Packers' first possession of the second half that ends up with the Devontae Adams helmet-to-helmet hit, that's a bad throw that you would attribute to Rust. Um, the interception on flushing out of the pocket in which Jordy Nelson gets by the defender and it's underthrown and ends up being intercepted turns into a punt. Um, I don't know if that—I would attribute that to Rust. Yeah. The, the throw to Cobb, uh, it's Rust and just not a very good throw— but there were other throws that weren't interceptions. The the you know they're down near the goal line, have to settle for a field goal on the throw to the left flat after a timeout again to Geronimo Allison. That's there for the first down, and Rodgers bounces it. Yeah. That's rust. I mean, that's something that you wouldn't see him otherwise do. Uh, but yeah, there there are a bunch of those. And I thought Rodgers was pretty darn good yesterday in flushing. He, he flushed out of the pocket, wasn't afraid of that. His throw to, to Randall Cobb that works into being a 33-yard touchdown, Cobb makes a great run after the throw. Rodgers goes down, that that, and he goes down on the right elbow shoulder. Yeah. And I was worried as they scanned back to make sure he was getting up. That's the TV copy version of watching the game. Uh, but he did. And, you know, he, I thought he was unafraid. I thought he was unaffected, except he missed on throws that he otherwise makes. That's what eight weeks of not playing in a game will do to you. Yeah, he was. There was some rust there for sure. Uh, when you see Aaron Rodgers in three interceptions, something is up, right? Something's going on. And the one thing here is that he's been off for eight weeks. You kind of attribute that to, uh, to, excuse me, to rust. So here's the other thing. Here, let me type in something real quick before I forget to do that. Um, <laughs> uh, other thing with that game, I forgot what I was going to say. God dang it. Never mind. Uh, well, it's good thing I'm you got multitasking. That. Well, I've got like seven questions in. in front of me here. Good thing you got and that typed I in. thought of something else, and then I forgot what I was going to ask you. Uh, how about this moment in the game? Did you hear this? Uh, uh, let, me, let me read what these players are saying, and then you can take a listen. The Clay Matthews-Cam Newton thing on the first touchdown. What would you think of this? What Clay Matthews says, it's the wheel route. It's that wheel route. And then Cam responds like, you've been watching film, huh? Watch this. Yeah, <laughs> that, was that was pretty, funny. pretty cool. Here, take a listen. That's cool. Watch this. Yeah, I tweeted that out when wow. I saw it. They they took the uh, announcer feed out of it. Just the Nat sound is it's pretty funny. Um, you know, it's less funny or it's more funny if you don't have a rooting interest in the game. Yeah. Uh, here's the thing. Another thing. There are probably worse ways obviously to lose games but one thing that just it just eats at you despite three interceptions despite giving up 31 points the Packers were driving for a potential game tying touchdown and you fumble your opportunity away it's not like Rodgers did anything in that last drive that cost him I mean you get an on you get a touchdown an onside kick and you fumble it away like that's one of the most disappointing ways 
to end just because you're like, well, you never even we had the chance and now you blow it with that. That's frustrating. Yeah, it is. And you can deeper picture that and, and take it back to that's not a throw to Geronimo Allison if Devontae Adams is on the field. Yeah. And he got knocked out because of another thing, a hit by Thomas Davis, who now learned gets two games for that hit. Um, that was an unnecessary yeah. play. Yeah, here's and and the NFL has problems on the field, John. I, I've grown weary. Weary is is probably the the safest word that I can use. I've grown weary of the terrible lack of understanding from the NFL about its biggest on field issue. Now you might think there's uh, the confusion of what is and isn't a catch, and that's the issue to resolve. Make it understandable uh, of what is a catch to a, a first year Pop Warner player. That's a big issue, but that's not the issue. I'm tired of saying it, John, because football continues to endorse its own demise by not appropriately penalizing the game's most ridiculous hits. 15 yards doesn't matter. $12,000 doesn't matter. Money taken from a player has never mattered to coaches, GMs, and owners. Making it twenty-five dollars or $50,000 on the fine doesn't matter. Now, college football can be really frustrating with how it deals with targeting. An automatic ejection of a player flag for targeting. It should be reviewed and layered, like basketball does with a flagrant one and two, eject on the ladder. What college football has done is essentially they've eliminated targeting from the game. College football is way ahead of the NFL in this regard. They've somewhat eliminated. I watch it every week. And I didn't see any of those hits. Think of the hits from Danny Trevathan, from George Iloka, from Juju uh, Schuster, on the on the hit to Vontez Perfect, uh, he's a receiver on a block. Think of yesterday's hit on Devonte Adams from uh, Thomas Davis. You don't see that in a college game, and if you do, it's done. That player's gone immediately. Gone. I'd rather err on that side of it. And college has somewhat eliminated this from their game. Now, Thomas Davis would say that was he. he I think he tweeted like he was running on football instincts. I think is the phrase he used. But if the NFL had a a system where you would be immediately removed because he's going to miss at least a game, I would think he's been suspended too. But if if there's an immediacy to it too, um, think about that. Would Davis had made that play? Like, would he have made the blindside block if he knows this thing gets you kicked out of the game nine out of ten times? I don't think he does, yeah. and that's part of the deal here. We also saw a butt touchdown. A guy caught. Yeah, that's a good call. That was a good call, right? I have a that's, lot of people. It's a marginally good call. A lot of people know, disagree with if, that call. I don't know if the video replay is definitive. I mean, by, by definition, the call in the field is incomplete. So there has to be irrefutable video evidence that you can't really debate. And you can debate that video evidence. You could have debated that. That's for sure. It's very close. Is there enough to fully overturn it? I thought there was enough to make it a touchdown. Yeah, again, I don't have an issue with it. That would be my only one. It's a little bit of a gray area. Is there enough absolute video evidence to overturn the call on the field? But I don't feel like the Packers got screwed in any way over that call. I don't think so either. Um, There is also from the NFL uh, a couple of topics, including what to do with the chain gang and index cards measuring first downs to losing the football possession of the football when you fumble at the pylon. Um, what, what's the right move there? Because I've always said 
I hated the idea that you the offensive team loses the football. Yeah, take out a rooting interest. Take out the rooting interest on the ball being fumbled into and out of the end zone. Because if it benefits your team, you're going to, hey, oh, we got lucky, yay. And you don't really worry too much about it. But if you take out the rooting interest, it's it's overly penal to take the ball away, give it to the other team, and give it to them at the 20-yard line on a, on a ball that is fumbled into and out of the end zone in which the defensive team never gets possession of the football. When a defensive team never gets possession of the football, why should it become their ball? If it happens in the field to play, it doesn't. If it happens at the 40-yard line and David Carr is reaching, trying to get the first down, and fumbles it out of bounds, whose ball is it? It's Oakland's. They keep it. It goes back to the point at which he fumbled. I don't like that in the end zone, but I do like that the team that fumbled it into and out of the end zone gets to keep the ball, but maybe the penalty sends them back to the 20-yard line. I don't know what you do with a down, though. So David Carr's run, correct? I, I'm not sure. Is it a second down run? Doesn't matter. What Does do you do with the down? Does it become third yeah. down if you take him back to the 20? Because let's say it's a fourth down play. Playing to win the game. Win or lose the game. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. On a fourth down play, and he fumbles into and out of the end zone, is it just a turnover then on downs? Let's say it's a third down play. If you bring it back to the 20, is it fourth down? Well, I mean, what would it be in the regular field of play? It would still be a down. You Correct. just fumbled it. I would guess it yeah, would still be a you'd down. Be, you'd be going from the one-yard line out to the 20. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, yeah. I listen, I'd rather have that than turn the ball over. Um, you still have a, a shot at it. So, yeah, I, I would like them to change that rule, even though, you know, like I said, if you have a rooting interest, I think the Packers had a game against the Bears in which that play came into play. Um, you yeah, know, the Bears. As a fan, you just say thank you. We'll take the, we'll the Bears take the ball. challenge it and then got screwed, yeah, kind of in on that the John respect. Fox deal. Um, what about the the chain gang deal with the ball being so close that we had an official use an index guard just to reaffirm his previous decision that it was going to be a first yeah. down? Do you watch tennis? Ever watch tennis? No, I hate it. Tennis has uh, in all of their tournaments, their televised tournaments, they have the eye in the sky yeah, deal. Yeah, yep. And a player can challenge. Um, all, I mean, listen, you, you don't need a chip in the ball. You know, I mean, one thing you're never going to resolve is the placement of the ball by the officials, whether they get the spot right. But this charade of running out a chain gang and measuring, and last night, you know, Gene Steratore, uh, you know, taking the, the card that he has to write down penalties in his pocket that's folded and sliding that between the tip of the ball and the end of the chain is ridiculous. Oh, it, just adopt the technology, and I don't know the specifics of it, that exists that they use in tennis. And just when the ball is spotted, they can use that technology, like the eye on the sky, and it either lights up that it's a first down or it doesn't. I would think that we're getting closer to some sort of technology, not only with spotting the football, but with being more accurate with, instead of using chains and eyes, to be using some sort of 
technology to make I'm gonna, sure. I'm going to drive you crazy, but what do you mean we're getting closer? Well, I, Tennis I, can do it with a 130-mile-an-hour serve, yeah, well, John. We have the technology. We're not close. It exists. Well, I just, they just have to I adopt it. I just don't know how that translates to the football field. How does field? it not translate to the football field? If you, can't, if you can do it at 130 miles an hour with a tennis ball, you can do it with a football stationary placed by the official on a mark on the field and determine with the technology that it's a first down or it's not. But, I mean, it, it gets more complicated than Why that. Why is it more complicated so, so with explain, a stationary object? Okay, so explain to me. So in... I don't want to get too in-depth on this because it's going to be confusing to listeners. But in tennis, you're trying to see whether a ball touched the line, right? Yes. Or whether it didn't, right? Correct. So then... At 130 miles an hour. But in the NFL, then you still have to determine which line they're trying to touch. This imaginary line of scrimmage. Yes. And, so but where it's not does that come as from? It's complicated as you, as you so would like I, to I make can, it I seem. can understand. You can see where they the ball is. They have to is. establish when they mark the ball. So at how first does tennis down. technology establish the line of scrimmage? That's what, because there are fixed yeah, lines I, in I, tennis. Th- I think you've overthought it. Well, I, okay. Anyway, the point is, I think we're getting closer to having some and, sort of technology that does everything like that. And I'm here's here's what I'm surprised about. I'm surprised that that isn't like a number one priority. Like, hey, let's let's implement some ideas here. Let's figure out how to make all these things better. Instead, they worry about uh, extra points on field goals. Like, no, why? No, yeah. figure out the chain thing. Figure out the ball placement thing. I, I agree. And if they made if they made first down measurement a priority, it would already have happened. Oh yeah. All right. What's a catch? Because I'm not. There's no catch. There. I mean, as what's, far as what would the what, potential catch be? You still have to have chains because no. I was changing players, the subject to what oh, is a catch in the NFL. Oh, I thought you said what's a catch to the chain. No, I'm sorry. Mean? I meant like what is a catch in the NFL because that's another topic that came up. All they simply have to do, and, and this isn't simple. So I, I, let me reword that. Simply, all they have to do is to make the catch rule understandable for a 10-year-old, a first-year Pop Warner football player. John, I think we all see and know, just through our understanding of football, that Des Bryant's catch against Green Bay that wasn't a catch wasn't a catch. But we know it was. The rule changed our determination because, by rule, it wasn't. By rule, yesterday's goal line play with Pittsburgh, uh, when they get in the end zone on Jesse James, the tight end, we all know it's a catch. But by rule, it isn't. Wait till that determines a Super Bowl, and then they change the rule and make the catch rule different, and then it'll always be like the Super Bowl that that team got screwed. That's going to happen. Something's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, it's, it is... Uh, listen, when, when the rule first came into play on the Calvin Johnson-Detroit Lions against Miami, I think it's a season-opening game. It's called the Calvin Johnson rule. Watch that Watch that play again. They, who in their right mind says that's not a catch? But the NFL deemed that they had to uh, get deeper into the rule book to take away the gray area, to make it black and white. And what they did is they made it so complicated that we see a catch and determine that it's a catch, and then we see it slowed down on the videotape by review and say, oh, yeah, that's not a catch. Des Bryant's catch is a catch. It's a catch, but not under the current rules. It's not a catch. Jesse James is a catch, but under the current rules, we know it's not a catch. It's dumb. Well, here's okay. So here's a couple of ways you could fix it, right? You could just have two feet and possession, depending on how long you want to determine what possession is, as a catch. Now you're going to have more fumbles, right? Because if that touchdown play, 
happens in the middle of the field. It's a catch because there's two feet in possession, but it's also a fumble. Well, if he lost the ball, it would be also a fumble because you'd lose the ball on the ground, right? So do you want that or do you want the current model, but just change what you look for at the goal line? Like you can cross the goal line and don't have so to So take complete. Jesse James' catch yesterday and put it at the 20-yard line. And if the ball had come out... And that's not a catch. But if you put it at the goal line, it is a catch and a touchdown. Just because what? you crossed the, the plane of the uh, goal. Correct. If he's untouched and goes down of his own volition in the field of play, if it's at the 20-yard line, um, it's a catch. Now if the ball comes out, it's a fumble. But if he's down by contact and when his elbow goes down, he'd be down. Right, I think. Jesse James' catch yesterday at the goal line, if it happens at the 20-yard line, it's a catch and it's their ball at the 20. Because he retained possession. He never fully gave it up. No, it I don't think a it's a catch. If, they, if, if the rule was written the right way, it's a catch. Oh, what's the right way? What I just have been saying for well, five minutes. I just gave you two scenarios, and I'm not sure what, what you, you were mean? trying to say. I said there are two different ways maybe you could do this. You could just have anything be a catch with two feet and possession. Or you could keep the current rule and then just modify it for goal line situations. No, I would change the rule to determine that a catch is a catch when a player gets two feet down or a body part down with control. He doesn't have to survive the ground. Okay. All right, so you're you're changing it. Okay, yeah. Then that would have Their been... Their terminology saying that he must survive the ground is ridiculous. The, there, there are two little phrases here. Surviving the ground and completing the process. They're both ridiculous. I mean, we saw, it was at Jazz PV in the end zone last mm-hmm. year, a year ago for Wisconsin against Northwestern. Yep. Didn't we all know that it was a catch? But the rule is written, and when you read the rule, you say, okay, so it's not a catch. So take that wording out. You know, the completing the process stuff is what gets everybody all messed up. The surviving the ground stuff is what gets everybody all messed up. It's silly. And nobody understands what is and or isn't a catch. (sighs) Deep breaths on these. You know, uh, I continue to to look down. Every time I do this, I look down at the calendar. And you know that a week from today is Christmas Day. So we're not working next... Yes, it's a week. There's still time to get stuff. There is, there is time. Celebrate the season right now. You can get ready for the season, which the season is rapidly coming to a head. Starting at just sixty dollars, Brewers holiday four packs include tickets to four of the crew's biggest games in 2018: marquee matchups, Cubs, Cardinals, Dodgers, all the fan giveaway games, and more. You know they got a a a Braun Star Wars deal for next year too. Do they really? Oh yeah, Mm. yeah. Uh, and that is included. Plus, every four-pack also comes with a free Brewers Knit hat, which by the weekend would come in very handy, including at Lambeau Field on Saturday night when it will be in the single digits. You can choose from four premium preset plans or enjoy the ultimate flexibility to pick your games as you go with a Flex four-pack. Plus, if you're giving it as a gift and don't want to pick your recipient's games for them, the Flex four-pack makes it easy as far as that's concerned. Check out all the games. Check out all the premium plans included in each plan and order your four-pack today at brewers.com slash four-packs brewers.com slash four-packs your phone calls the rest of the hour spent on you 877-729-1070 877-729-1070 this is the mike heller show
Uh, Paul Fehrenbach uh, tweeted in. Paul said regarding chain gang, NFL should adapt those laser levels builders use in construction sites. Accurate to .01 of an inch. No more index cards. Let's get some lasers out there. Yeah, lasers to make it simple. You it got just... a crown of the field to work over, but listen, they can they can uh, use the laser technology. They can. Uh, there are ways to get it done. They they already have it. You, I know, John. You say oh, they're probably getting close. If the, if it was a priority, it would already be instituted. You have to spend money on it, but trust trust just the general thought that the technology already exists. You're not going to solve the technology of ball placement, spotting the ball. You know, people say, "What a chip in the nose of the football." I don't know that that works because now you got to now you real now we're really talking about technical elements because you can't see in the pile. Then do you also have when does the knee hit the ground in the pile? You know, when did you know all of those elements? Now that becomes complicated. But just the simple measurement of the football and the referees eyeballing, looking from the ball to the sideline. Just buzz and say first down or no first down, and then sync that up to television so they show it. Yeah, I just I just think done for all the things that the NFL focuses on. Why can't we focus on some of the ball placement slash chain gang stuff? Why can't we just focus on that and see if we can get to 2017, 2018 type of technology and and figure something out? And as far as the ball, um, NC State is actually a university. There's this thing I was reading on during one of the breaks is location of the ball on the field at any point and it's one of those things i think if you were able to sync that with video you could then have the exact position of the ball when you're talking about that knee issue how are you going to figure it out in a pile uh, it's it goes through people you can figure it out it's was, it was pretty cool you can it follows the ball all over even if obstructed it doesn't through people. follow the knee of the person with the ball to know when the knee hit down in a pile of people that you can't see some of that uh, yeah, well, on a pile of people, you'd still be in the same position you were yeah. now as far as not being able to see a knee. But I, like I said, if there's some way you could sync that with actual video and have the motion of the ball on the field synced with the video so you know exactly where it I is. I honestly don't care so don't much about that. the spot of the ball as opposed to like Well, I think, well that's situation. the next thing. That's the next thing. Just because yesterday happened doesn't mean there's going to be a really crummy spot in the future. I mean, that's going to happen too. So why not just knock it out with one, one whole... Uh, reform right just get everything right because that's going to also be an issue we'll talk about that someday as well uh andrew called uh from milwaukee hey well, andrew by the way uh a- andrew we'll have plenty of january time to hit all of this because uh, maybe we have less about that with this um andrew did you say hi andrew yep hey mike hey john how's it going hey. i uh just had a comment on the uh catch no catch stuff um tell me if I'm missing something, but instead of, like you were saying, having all this ridiculous terminology like um, surviving the ground and whatnot, why not just make it discretionary to that official that can just say catch or no catch? I think I think you were onto something when you said with the Calvin Johnson play, anybody in their right mind knows that's a catch. So, so is instead it of having all the, you know, it, the really technical yeah. terms, just say, okay, this ref says it's a catch based on their the eye test. Well, I think, I think that makes it a lot easier. It does, it does, but it does leave it to the subjective nature of who the replay official is and what is a catch one week without the specific definition is not a catch the next week. So it does open up another issue, the original issue, when it, when it was just decided by officials at full speed before we went to video replay. 
And I, it, it opens up a, a bunch of second guessing. I think you have to define a catch. You have to have a, a, a definition of what people are looking for, right? You want everything to be uniform. You want everything to be the same in all games. And right now, this definition of the catch has a flaw. I think with lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Part of the flaw, too, is what I talked about earlier. Like, if you want to say two feet down and possession, well, how long do you want to say possession is to constitute a catch? You can have a lot more fumbles. I think I'm generally okay with going to the ground and maintaining control, but I don't like it in the end zone. I think if you catch it in the end zone and you're going to the ground, you should have a touchdown. <laughs> I think if you're leaning toward the end zone, like was the case yesterday, I think you should have a touchdown. So what you're saying is Jesse James' catch yesterday would be a touchdown, but if he were at the 20-yard line, it would be incomplete. <laughs> I guess so, yeah. A different set of rules for the end zone. That makes that drives people crazy. You mean that's a catch in the... It just switches the rule yeah. from now to to what it is in the end zone. You know, I mean, one is a catch, one isn't a catch. Yeah, that would that could get a little dicey for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, eight seven 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 two nine ten seventy. John, who else wants? But to? it's kind of the same thing. Like a guy can reach for the end zone and fumble the football, and if you did that at the it's, fifty, it's a fumble. Yeah, it's the same thing as I'm talking about when uh, with the ball being fumbled out of the end zone. If you do it at the fifty yard line and a ball gets fumbled and goes out of bounds yeah. without being recovered, the offensive team keeps it. So, but there, if it happens at the goal line, then the defensive team gets it. Right. So there are rules in the NFL now that Those exist. Those drive people crazy. Right. There are rules in the NFL now, like like what you just said. And if a if a runner extends crosses and fumbles it's a touchdown but if he did that at the 50 and he extended and fumbled well he would have fumbled so i mean that kind of already exists now but i understand what you're saying jim from cambridge called the mike keller show hey guys thanks for taking my call uh happy holidays guys happy holidays to you um before i retired i was a video producer in madison and you know when they start looking at instant replay and they they try to evaluate whether his foot was down or his body part was down or it's a catch you know, there are 30 frames of video in a second, and they should uh, start evaluating it for four or five seconds, not just one or two or three frames, uh, because they play it back in real time and things change a lot. So uh, I think maybe they should add um, a second count in there uh, in terms of just whether his left cheek or his right cheek was either inbounds or out of bounds. And the other thing I want to say is I listened to um, both sports talk shows this morning, the local one and then Dan Patrick. And the local one dealt with a, with a personal issue that was close to the Packers' heart, and, and Mike also led off with it. Dan Patrick started debating, you know, what's a catch and not a catch. Um, okay, so it's a catch or a catch. That's, that's a score in a football game. When you have a blindsided hit, and you knock a guy out into a concussion program, that's a personnel issue. And I agree with Mike wholeheartedly. Do they need somebody to die before they change the rule? 
and I will hang up and let you guys talk. I, I appreciate it. I appreciate your thoughts. This is this is kind of my um, this is my stomping ground on this issue. Uh, this is a, an issue that is that the NFL has not dealt with very well. You know, last last night on Football Night in America, um, Rodney Harrison talking about the hit with Dan Patrick, and what they said. It what Harrison said. It's not a dirty play. He just needs to lower his target. Or he's not a dirty player. He just needs to lower his target. And I disagree. It is a dirty play. And dirty plays define dirty players. Even if he's a great guy. More in a moment. This is the Mike Heller Show. Rolling through the 5 o'clock hour of the Mike Heller Show, you know, I've kind of uh, made this my thought process of the day. There are many others that we have the rest of the week to get to. But I tweeted out a short while ago that this way of thinking by former NFL player Sean Smith, played in the league for 10 years, and current Redskins player Zach Brown. Brown says, tell Adams don't play because I'm always headhunting or at the core of the NFL's problem. Sean Smith had tweeted out, to Devontae Adams, and he's in the tweet. Sean Smith, the former NFL player, said, Quit crying. Concussion is part of the game on defense. All we know is to headhunt. See ball, get ball. It's a tough sport. But you know what the chances are of getting hurt. That's why they always say get your degree so you have something to fall back on. Meanwhile, good luck. Get healthy. It's that attitude. It's that mentality. And I understand it. Listen, it's part that is that has been part of the game. That mentality of being part of the game needs to transition out of the game. I mean, ESPN used to run on their highlight packages the big hit segments. I don't remember what it was. It had a name to it, and they all reacted and they glorified it. Times have changed can't glorify those plays anymore and I'm, I'm i'm tired and i don't think anybody wants to see the player laid out on the field and wondering if he's gonna get up from a hit like we saw from danny trevathan to Devonte adams earlier this year we don't want the fan doesn't want to see it meanwhile you I mean that's the deal the fan doesn't want to see it so, I mean, I don't know what the answer I, I guess I do know what the answer is. This, this is ultimately my point. I hate to complain without a solution. So here it is. Targeting is the hit at the shoulder, neck, and head area leading with the shoulder, forearm, or, or helmet to a defenseless player. That includes a player as a receiver or a block on a player that's deemed blindside. Ejection from the game. Ramp it up. Second offense. Ejection. And sitting out the next game. You will legislate it out. Trust me. Players and organizations won't employ players who are subject to to all of those suspensions. They won't. The fines they don't care about, but everything else. And the game, it won't survive it. 
It just won't. There are too many people who are turning their heads when they see it. So, you know, there's that. There, there are all the rules on the field, what is and isn't a catch. Did the fumble go out of the end zone? Does it belong to the other team? Uh, one cheek equals two feet. All of those other things. They'll work those out. But I'm just telling you, this will, this will uh, dictate the game's survival. The game as we know it. It will determine the game's survival. So, I mean, there, there's lots of different... There are a ton of... There, yesterday was, perhaps, and not in the best way, but perhaps the most talkable day of the entire NFL season. The finish to the Steelers game on the Jesse James catch that was ruled to be not a catch. On the uh, the play at the goal line that followed on the spike or no spike. The, the, the finish of that game, incredibly dramatic. Most people, a lot of people probably didn't step and see the finish of the Oakland-Dallas game. But David Carr trying to lunge for the pylon and losing the ball and have a, having it easily be ruled a fumble that went in and out of the end zone, that is another rule that needs to be addressed. There were dramatic finishes. The finish to the Packers game on whether it's a catch and a fumble or a non-catch really had a gray area involved in it. There were a ton of moments yesterday that were incredibly talkable. And they weren't all good moments for the NFL. And that helmet-to-helmet hit on Devontae Adams in the Packers game, in which a former Walter Payton Man of the Year winner, who is in all likelihood a fantastic man, but involved with an incredibly dirty hit and a series of them, the NFL needs to deal with those moments. They need to get that out of the game. All of that. All of that happened yesterday. You want to take a phone call? Yeah. Tony's been waiting. He's calling from Madison. Hi, Tony. Hey, guys. How are you? Good. How are you? Not too bad. Um, I would just say that uh, there's one common theme with the helmet-to-helmet um, hits, and it's the helmet. Um, so, you know, just kind of thinking of um, there's this big push. I coached uh, football. And uh, there's this big push for the hawk tackling, the USA football thing. And uh, a lot of times, or, or with the hawk tackling, it's a rugby-style tackle. Uh, rugby players don't wear helmets. Right. Uh, rugby players are taken to the ground. Rugby players, you know, as far as if you tackle correctly, you do not need a helmet. Um, one of the things that would completely get rid of this helmet-to-helmet is eliminating the helmet out of the game. Yeah, I mean, we've I've heard we, people say that. Yeah, before. we've had this conversation go back, going back to to leather helmets, which sounds so antiquated. Uh, but you know, I've, I've mentioned Rob Andringa off the top of the this hour of the program, and and uh, his personal fight going on now, and and uh, hoping that people are uh, reaching out to Rob. Rob had said to me many, many times talking about hockey that sticks began to go up high when they put helmets on, and the sticks got more aggressive when they put face masks on the helmet in hockey. Because remember, uh, the helmet was not required in hockey. And sticks wouldn't get up because it's just it hurts too much. And you're on the receiving end, too. In football, the better the helmet technology has been, the more players have hit with the helmet because they feel it less. And you can really deliver a blow. If you went back to soft helmets, leather helmets, the, the, the issue was on the helmets to begin with, was to protect the head at the violence and speed that you're playing at. I mean, uh, I get... To protect the head because there are shoulder pads. Yeah. So with rugby, all of those 
open field contacts, they all slow down because a guy's not going to be running at 20 miles an hour with a guy running at 20 miles an hour the other way and hit with the shoulder head on either. Here's why I don't think that would ever work, and I get where it's coming from. But so the NFL has an issue with head trauma, right? And now you're going to make the helmets less safe, and you're still going to have people's heads are going to bang, right? There's still going to be collisions. You can still have a clean tackle, and that guy's head going to whiplash right into the turf, and he's not now he doesn't have a helmet. Yeah, and you're still going to have concussion issues, and then you've got the litigious side of it, and uh, it, it ends up being a money issue. I mean, shoot, the NFL is already walked around that issue for so many years, uh, thus the, the CTE settlements that are out there. And, um, you know, they, they made a movie about it, for heaven's sakes. So I get it, and, and, and I've had that conversation. I understand it. Um, and, and it does remedy some of it, but it doesn't remedy all of it. Rugby and football are dramatically different in um, open field opportunities. Rugby has far less open field hitting because there's no forward pass. You know, there's no down-the-field throw in which there is, you know, the speed of a receiver and the speed of a defensive back, and they're 250 pounds going. I mean, think of Gronk. You know, think of Gronk and then a safety like George Iloka or one of the big-hitting safeties, and now you you got two guys without helmets on. They're flying at each other. You know, it's a different game. I understand the concept, but we're talking about two dramatically different games. So, um, so there, there. It's an interesting uh, side of the conversation to explore, but I don't know that there's, I don't know if there's legs to it because it does change the game dramatically. So, <sighs> hey, uh, it's the twenty year. It's been twenty years since Chris Farley passed away. Yeah, I, I knew that. I saw that earlier today. You met Chris Farley once, right? Yeah, Farley came to to uh, through friend of a friend. Um, uh, came to my house in my first marriage. Wait, and, you didn't even meet Farley. He came to your house? Yeah. Oh, that's um, pretty cool. At a holiday party. And, you know, and then he came back the next night because he had left his glasses <laughs> and uh, he left his glasses and some other items there. Is this peak Farley? Like where in oh, his sure, career? Oh, sure, yeah. yeah oh, well, this wow. is, this is um, I don't know what, he died on this date? Uh, I think that's what it was. Yeah, it was. It would then would have been a, a, f- a couple of months earlier that he was there, because it was it was within just a few months. December eighteenth, nineteen ninety seven. Yeah, maybe it was uh, maybe a, just a month earlier, like at Thanksgiving ish oh, wow. that year. Um, but yeah, uh, he, he was there, and he was a little messed up. It was uh, it, it was part of it was sad. Uh, there was a little bit of a conversation more that I had with him the following night that was more ordinary. But he tried to uh, make my daughter Amanda, who might have been, I don't know, it was 20 years ago now. She was 11. He tried to um, explain who he was to her. She didn't know because she'd not seen (laughs) any of his movies. So he's asking her, you see Tommy Boy? Did you see this? Did you see this? And she had not seen any of them. (laughs) Too young. Yeah. Uh, Back with you tomorrow. Thanks. Have a great Monday night. This is The Mike Heller Show. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.